What I have to share this morning is not necessarily the most important thing that needs to be communicated. I thought that your testimonies were very appropriate. Uh, But in the light of those testimonies, I thought this information would be appropriate as well. Okay? Um, Galatians chapter 6, and beginning uh, with verse 7. Do not be deceived, God is not mocked, for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. The one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are the household of faith. number of things there that you'll notice, but uh, you'll notice as a springboard that I wanted to use this passage for is the idea of sowing and reaping. Okay? Now, this is different than sow, S-E-W. <laughs> this is sow, S-O-W. Uh, what a farmer experiences every crop season. But you notice what Paul warns us and cautions us about is, listen, God's not going to stand for being mocked uh, because whatever one sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And, uh, and so God is not going to be mocked for whatsoever one sows, that will he also reap. Through the years, I've had the opportunity to talk about this very story that we find if you take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13, and you'll forgive me, I forgot to look in the Pew Bible what page it is, but uh, Matthew chapter 13, the parable of the sower, which has everything to do with sowing and reaping. Uh, some time ago, I think it was Elaine was having a conversation uh, with one of our children and talking about that uh, God has appointed for man, if indeed he and his grace and mercy grants you that much, three score and ten. So I reminded them that I'm living on borrowed time. <laughs> I'm in the last chapter of my life, Okay. And so the idea of sowing and reaping is very, very dear to my heart, not only through the years of ministry and life and marriage and raising a family, but also from the standpoint particularly of God's principle of sowing and reaping. God will not be mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he reap. On the one hand, the negative. On the other hand, the positive. Another thing that triggered me going to this was uh, uh, a week and a half ago, I had, uh, remember I had you praying for my great niece, uh, Michaela, who we met in Salt Lake, now on two occasions for a dinner, and she had married into a polygamist family. And she's from Michigan, where I grew up, and she married this young man, who uh, grew up across the street from Warren Jeffs. 
And we were sitting at dinner, and suddenly they revealed this information. And uh, it's hard to recover from that, you know. So I'm thinking, okay, where do I go from here in this conversation? As he said, oh, yeah, I have five mothers and 30 brothers and sisters. And, uh, and I thought, well, reaping and sowing. But this Michaela's sister, Victoria, called me two weeks ago because she was visiting the family out in uh, Myrtle Beach, and she had expressed a desire to learn how to hunt. And they said, well, if you want to learn how to hunt, you've got to call your Uncle Don. And so sure enough, from Myrtle Beach, she calls me. She says, Uncle Don, what do I need to do if I were going to come out and hunt with you? And so I, I laid out a plan for her. Well, like six days later, she calls. No, she texted me. She says, Uncle Dom, I'm in a very dark place. Please call me. And so I did. And she was in a very dark place. She doesn't know the Lord. And so we started working through some things. I tried to keep her on the phone as long as I could. Uh, but that triggered these thoughts about sowing and reaping. Now, obviously, she does, her worldview has nothing to do with believers or the word of God, right? That's not what she's grown up with. But be that as it may, whether we have or not, we've grown up with some kind of a worldview whether by virtue of the society we've grown up in or the religious system that I've grown up in. And as a result, that has tainted the way I think and operate in life. And so, uh, anyway, my, uh, my thoughts also went to this passage in Matthew 13. Now, let me read uh, uh, beginning with verse 1. Okay? That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds, crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach, and he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell among the path, along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil. Those of you that helped with the raking of rocks yesterday, you learned that very quick. We, those, those rocks grow. Then it rains. Then there's more rocks, right? And immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun arose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some 100, some 60, some 30. He who has ears to hear, he who has ears, let him hear. Now, later on, the, the uh, disciples want to get the understanding, gain understanding from that parable. And so later on in that same chapter, the, uh, we don't have to, we're not left to ourselves to discern, okay, what's he talking about? Well, he tells us what he's talking about, okay? Beginning with verse 18. <clears throat> Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this one uh, is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. 
And when tribulation or persecution arises, on account of the world, a word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. And then the coin is turned on verse 23. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. So we're all adults here. I don't need to explain to you any further sowing and reaping. Okay? But God has set up all of life on cause and effect. Right? As much through my years of building, being in the building trades, I have learned that if you, you uh, fall off a roof, you will not go up. You will go down. Now, that's not because God is mean, <laughs> but he set up moral laws of nature, right? There's the pull of gravity. <clears throat> God has set up spiritual laws as well. And sowing and reaping is one of them, cause and effect. If I do this, this is what's going to happen. On the other hand, if I do this, this is what's going to happen. And uh, obviously we don't have the time to consider uh, a whole list of things. But sowing and reaping, whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. <clears throat> now I'm going to put this in the context of a young person, okay? Uh, but it applies certainly for adults. Because when we talk about choices and decisions in life, about reaping and sowing, uh, some of you are, 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 all of you are at various points in your life and careers and your child raising, okay? Some of you are not married yet, but you plan on it. Some of you are raising your families right now. Others have, your children are, have vacated the home and you're in your last season of life, okay? But be that as it may, the principle of sowing and reaping is always in operation. And so it's important. Now, obviously, after we raised our children, now our focus looks a little bit more to our grandchildren. Not that you ever stop becoming a parent or serving as a parent, but the fact is, I, I, and I, I, I have to be honest with you as a grandparent, I fear much more for my grandchildren growing up in this culture than I did for my children in my culture. Uh, not that I didn't have fears for them, but it's a different world out there. Give you an example. Last week, Elaine and I were away for two nights, uh, or three nights, over in Steamboat Springs, one of our favorite spots. And we were sitting in the restaurant, and after we had breakfast, I asked my wife, I said, did you happen to notice that couple sitting next to me? She says, well, no, why? I said, well, the person who had their back towards us, he was the male. But he had a dress on. And he had a scruffy beard, and he had hairy legs. That's what gave him away. <laughs> Besides his voice being a little deeper. And then sitting across from him was the female. Now, I want you to know, in my day, I couldn't imagine that. But I realized I was in Colorado, <laughs> okay, where all that stuff is... You know, when you're talking about smoking weed and all the, you know, the, the transgender thing. And, and I left there and I was very troubled. And, I, and the reason why is my thoughts immediately went to my grandchildren. 
I thought, this is the world they're going to grow up with, where everything is being redefined and re-identified, right? Uh, but now, let me give you some examples. Let's consider some of the areas of life a young person that, uh, that they are doing some sowing that they hope to reap, okay? Number one, that young person studies hard and does homework for school. Why? Time for you to answer. Why do they do that? Why did you do that when you were in school? This is your time to talk. They study hard. They do their homework. Why? Yeah. And they want to get good grades, right? And you want them to get good grades. You want them to learn well. Uh, you are putting money away in a piggy bank. That is that young person. I, by the way, I have a pink piggy bank. I love my piggy bank. But I let my grandsons empty it when it gets pretty full. But uh, why, why, why do you teach them to put money away? Because you want, uh, uh, if you will, you are saving for something special. Okay? You, you want them to learn that. Now, I realize children are all different. You know, some children are, you know, I got five bucks, I'm going to spend it now. Others say, no, 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 I want to save 50 bucks, right? And, and you learn that very quickly with your little children because some are spenders and some are hoarders. You know, they want to they wanna keep that money and hold on to it. Uh, a young person or a child is attending a wana memorizing scripture. Why? Because you want them to turn out to be the kind of person God wants them to become. And you know that the word of God is going to shape their character and their goals and their worldview. Uh, you are hanging around with the right kind of people. Why? Well, because you realize that evil kids or evil adults can influence you in an evil way. And you learn that quickly, right? And a young person needs to learn that. You learn to obey authority in your life. Oh, most of the time. <laughs> Why? Answer. It, it, what's that, Steve? Consequences. Yeah. I learned that in the Army real quick. You know, uh, you know, with parents, it might be a little bit of a give and take. In the Army, there is no give and take. Okay? These are the rules. If you break them, this is what happens. Period. You see? Um, but because you believe that, why? Yeah, that if you learn to uh, understand and obey authority when you're younger, uh, you, it will serve you well as you move into adult life and also my relationship with God. Now, I'm just going to uh, say we're not going to get through this, okay? That's okay. Maybe there'll be a, another opportunity. But I, I, want, I do want to give you the outline very quickly. And that is that God gives us in this passage three enemies that are going to work very hard at keeping you from reaping what you want to reap. Did you get that? There are three enemies that are working very hard to keep you from reaping what you want to reap. And as I thought about my, my great niece, Victoria, the other day, and 
she shared some things that, well, you know, there's stuff that I've done, and, and of course we worked through some of that, but uh, I couldn't help but think of this passage. Three enemies in life that want to keep me from reaping what you or I want to reap. And so notice what we read in verse 18. He then, uh, hear then the parable, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. Here, the individual is called the evil one. Now, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all three of those Gospels have this story. In, uh, in the other two Gospels, he is clearly identified as the devil or Satan, all right, rather than the evil one, as you see here in your text. So you have Satan, uh, who is the enemy uh, of me, and not reaping what I really want to reap. I have good intentions, but he doesn't want me to reap that. And, uh, and so I, I've got to set my radar and stick with it. Because we're not, we're not in a, a fight, or we're not in a race for a 100-yard dash, or a 12,000-meter. We're in this for life, right? And we set that course of sowing and reaping early in life. And uh, I remember when I was making some of those decisions based on this text, that, okay, God, I have sowed all kinds of wild oats by the time I was 19 years old and got saved. But I wanted to turn that around. And so my encouragement to you, friend, regardless of whether you've known the Lord a month or a year or 10 years, whatever you've done in the past, you can turn it around now. <laughs> if, God, if my God wasn't a God of hope, I wouldn't tell you that. But he is a God of hope. And that's why I tried to communicate to my niece. I said, look, I, I, I don't need to know unless you want to tell me, but I want you to know that your Uncle Tom sowed plenty of wild oats before he got, came to know Christ at the age of 19. And, uh, uh, but here, the wicked one comes when the word of God is sown, and uh, along the pathway, uh, the enemy comes and snatches at us, the wicked one. He hears, as it says in verse 19, uh, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away, what has been sown in his heart. Uh, so he's right there. So, beloved, can I encourage you uh, to think about this every time the Bible is opened? I do this as a matter of practice every time. Because I know every time this book is opened, it's a matter of life and death. Life and death. For those who do not know Jesus as their Savior, to them, they're wrestling with, am I genuinely saved? But the message today pricked my heart, and, and I'm reevaluating, maybe I've never have become a genuine child of God and being born again by God's Spirit. I'm religious, I go to church, this is a great church, but I'm not sure I can say without a doubt that I know Jesus is my Savior today, and if I were to die today, I'd go to be with him in heaven. 
If not, I want you to know Satan, if, if he can't, if he doesn't, doesn't succeed in keeping you from coming to know Christ, he does the next best thing. And that is to keep you ineffective for the rest of your life by sowing the wrong things. Okay? And uh, so that point of struggle that perhaps as uh, an unbeliever, that is, I don't know whether I'm genuinely saved, but the Spirit of God seems to prick your heart whenever the Word of God is preached and makes people aware and makes you aware of your need for Christ. Don't put it off. I'm speaking from experience that I put it off for six months after someone shared with me what I needed to do to trust Christ as my Savior. When the Spirit of God pricks my heart, respond then. But then what about for the child of God? There's that same wrestle, that same wrestling and unrest that goes on in the heart. That is that, you know, Pastor Greg is up there waxing eloquent and he brings the service to a close and perhaps his message has primarily had to do with the challenge to a believer and you, it comes to the close of the service and you recognize you need to respond in some way to the Spirit of God. I just encourage you, don't put it off. Respond then. And then my closing challenge is that because if we believe with all our hearts that every time the Bible is opened, it's a matter of life and death, would it not behoove us to pray for the one who's teaching? Right? Because he can be as eloquent as he wants. I learned that a long time ago. You know, the very messages that I thought were really going to hit a home run fell flat. <laughs> and other ones, uh, uh, Nathan gave you a story from when we were in the junior high. And I remember that, that morning very vividly when we were deciding, do we cancel the service? Do we not cancel the service? Well, no, we can meet in the hallway because there's a window and everybody can read their Bibles. So we'll just pretend like we're on a bus. And we were about four wide and I preached and a gentleman got saved that day. We were ready to cancel. You, don't, you never know what God's going to do. You see? But I have been in ministry long enough, beloved, to know that those opportunities to respond to what the Spirit of God is doing in my heart are few and far between. Whether as an unbeliever, and I need to trust Christ, or whether as a believer, and maybe he's convicting me of something I need to get right with him. May we do that, but then also may it behoove us to pray every time, whether it's before we come to church, whether it's while we're in church, we know there's a spiritual, it, the message can be, means spiritual life or death for someone in that sanctuary. How much more impactful might it be? I'm just theorizing, okay? If we came to church and Pastor Greg opened up the Word of God, and there's already been 60 people praying for today's message. 
Do you think that would make a difference? Beloved, I'd like to think it does. <laughs> because it's not about all, the, uh, all about the person who's doing the delivering. But it's rather pleading and breaking down the doors, as it were, of God's throne that he might do spe- something special in our midst by bringing sinners to the cross and by bringing saints and making them aware of their need for him to have more control of them. The other two, if you want to write them down, just in case, you know, I said I'm in my last chapter, three score and ten, just in case I don't have a second opportunity. There's the person, there's the persecution, and then there's the pleasures. Those are the three enemies. The persecution, and uh, he talks about those, and then the pleasures of life. And oh, how they can be so distract, distracting in life. But uh, trust you'll take the time to look at that. And if we do have another opportunity, we can look at that in the future. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your kindness to us. Thank you so much for the dear folks that uh, were just prompted in their own spirit to share a word of testimony about camp. Uh, what an awesome privilege we have as a church family, literally four miles down the road, and you're doing an awesome thing up at Pioneer Bible Camp. We praise you for that. And we pray uh, your continued blessing, knowing that there's still family camp to follow, and uh, uh, we know that there, uh, a number of our guests will be leaving this coming week, and we just pray that their hearts might go back full, just observing what our great God did through the lives and ministry at Pioneer Bible Camp. Bless now in our service to follow and pray for Pastor Chris particularly as we join our hearts for him that, Lord, you might anoint him from on high and do that which he is unable to do, and that's to change the hearts of thy people. And we'll be careful to thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we have a few moments before our service.